welcome to What Matters. Who do we have here today? Josh Smith, oh. uh, artist. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm, I'm really good. I'm really happy. I mean, I just met you. Yeah. Probably 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And you brought a lot of good energy into my studio in the morning, which is very valuable to me. And I'm happy to be part of your project. I have my own projects cooking and I'm sympathetic. Oh. I'm sympathetic and I'm really anxious to learn about all this stuff. Yeah. And all this comes out of social media or specifically Instagram, which is new to me, relatively new. Now it's been like six months, so not that new. And I've met probably tens of really amazing people personally. And I've met hundreds of amazing people like virtually and for me who lives kind of a isolated too isolated of a life I don't talk to many people in real life it's been really helpful it sounds so silly and I never thought I'd feel the words come out of my mouth but that's like amazing Instagram right? I wish it wasn't like such a polarizing yeah, yeah. subject but it's new to me yeah you know so I enjoy learning about it I mean I'm a liker you know I just like everything yeah I don't unfollow anybody like no you're so generous man I saw what you were doing and I was like oh my god this is exactly what we should all be doing and in my case for example I was so afraid to let know other painters kind of my techniques and how I did it kind mm. of thing mm. so I went straight on and started posting on Instagram do you feel something like that, that you were like afraid in the beginning and you just did it? Or you were always like, I don't care, I'll just do it. Well, I started doing it last October because I was in Italy and I, I hung up a show and I thought it was perfect and beautiful. And I was feeling bad because I do all these shows and I never, my, my peers and my friends in New York never get to see them. Everybody's so busy and they're the people who get left out. Yeah. You know, like, and the second the thing's done it's like zipped away from you it's not there's never a time and I just felt like this is ridiculous I sh should at least let people know I'm doing a show yeah. and give them a chance to look it up online and and yeah it took less than one second for me to realize that like I'm kind of a I like to be on the camera and <laughs> I like to and I don't want anything from yeah, Instagram yeah. like I don't want anything I'm more asking it a question yeah. like what what are you like what is this like I don't there's nothing I'm trying to get except something I've I've learned you can get which is opportunities such as this or you know and I like to I did a podcast like two weeks ago did you listen to that one I didn't and yeah it was with a woman I met named Tess yeah and she did a great job and I mean now it's pulled into YouTube or something but like also Instagram is therapeutic for me like it, it functions therapeutically like it it makes it like a vent like an exhaust yeah 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 and it, yeah, yeah and also Instagram I is when I look at my face on Instagram and hear my voice I'm hearing my real face and my real voice the same way that you are or anybody else is and it's yeah. the first time in my life I've ever seen or heard myself yeah it's very different to hear your voice yeah through air than to bone yeah and or a mirror yeah yeah like a mirror too is nothing compared to like seeing it that's exactly what's on that little square is exactly the same thing that everybody else sees so if you want to know what people see <laughs> 
there it is. Like, that's it. And I mean, I think it's interesting to loot what loses followers and what gains followers. Oh, I think people are whole, kind yeah. of, people are afraid of things that don't, that they don't personally relate to. I think that hate is love. So if you hate something, you love it. Uh-huh. It's more that. Sometimes it is hard to understand the opposite of love is indifferent. So if you are, if you see something on Instagram, for example, if you're like having a reaction to it, that's just love and you should embrace it. It's like love when you hate something the same way as something else. Like you said, I lost those followers. Just by the fact that these people were and went like, I'm going to follow him and then unfollow him just to show you. It's kind of like they want your attention. I don't think they're just trying to show me. It's just some people are different than other people. Like some people use it more interactively. Like I, more work to unfollow. I mean, it doesn't, and things that annoy me on Instagram, (laughs) I don't think nothing's really annoyed me. Sometimes artist stuff annoys me. Nothing has caused you to like, oh, I hate that. Some people put like too many famous people in their things and stuff. But that's just what they want to do, yeah, yeah. you know? Or yeah, we're, let's come back to why one of the reasons why I started this talk show that I want to call it. Because I started questioning why is Jeff Koons not on like Jimmy Kimmel? Mm-hmm. Why are you not on Jimmy Fallon? Because it doesn't draw people. I'm not a celebrity like that. But the whole point of that to me is to that kids that stayed up late to watch The Late Show see people that they want to become in a way. So all these kids are looking at all these actors, looking at all these like maybe musicians and sometimes writers. And they're like, I want to be that. Mm -hmm. But there's no artist we have been pushed. It's like, no, 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 you can't. You can't be in the main. And it's like, what? Why? And it's like, there's really no explanation. But somehow we told kids like, do not do that. I was one of those kids. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Are you talking about art now? Like you were told like that art's not something you could do? Well, I'm talking about first about the, um, the fact that there's no artists on talk shows. Maybe how do you feel about <laughs> well, that? Well, that would be great, but they have to be exposed to it. It has to be, everything happens through people, you know? So there, there's a show called the Tim Ferriss podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. that has like it. a I trillion know. followers. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. One and of the last year, Dustin talk. Yellen was on it. Yeah, yeah. And I do that, know him. I do know him. And that was kind of the show fascinating, Dustin. like... Because there, there's a there, that was one of the rare times where, and that was all through meeting people yeah, yeah. and networking. And I mean, it it could potentially happen, but in the meantime, like yeah, it involves a little more digging. W- what we need is a way that it doesn't have to be. I mean, it's Jimmy Fallon's fault. That's what he sells. That's his product. His celebrity interactions. You know, um, what's the, my one of my favorite ones is Dick Cavett as far as interviewing. Like, and he would have more deeper conversations. Charlie Rose used to have artists on from mm. time to time. Um, That's true. But like, Cecily yes, Brown, I think. Huh? Um, it sounds familiar. I know that Julian was on there yeah, a yeah. few times. I'm sure Jeff Koons was on there. I don't know everyone, but there are there are times. And, and if more people, you know, artists, once people realize that artists are you know, everyone's trying to protect their identity in different ways, yeah. including me. What do you mean by that? Well, like when you said you want to come over, I was like, I don't want you in my studio, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I don't really want you to see how I'm in the way that I'm free fall. Like, yeah. like I create a situation where I'm failing. 
like this and, might not work that kind of thing well it's just not gonna work yeah yeah like and i'm just clawing trying to grab a branch or a crevice of a rock or something and it yeah. gets messy and yeah, yeah. and then i as a show starts to come I, I have to start making decisions like I'm not going to be able to save my right arm. Like I have to, or like I, it's not going to, I'm going to not have the right shoes. Like, <laughs> but it's so I'll compensate this. Like I'll wear a brighter shirt, Yeah, you know, like, like it's just, it would be cheating you to let you in there because it's like, you know, all this stuff like shaving and, taking a shower and all the stuff you do before. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It kind of shows too much backstage. Yeah. Like, um... Sometimes I feel when I show my art in private in my studio that I'm asked to do this. Mm -hmm. And then I put it back. Yeah. I, and by this, because this is all audio, that I open, have to open my shirt and show my tits, figure, like, in a way. Uh -huh. And I feel sometimes like that. I, I, is that how you feel? I, no, I, I feel exhausted and yeah, I feel, yeah. and I'm sensitive and I project a lot and I can see what people yeah. think. I totally stuff, respect that, by whether, the way. And then like I change, like a lot of times I'll have a studio visit at the wrong time and I'll end up destroying everything, yeah. like instantly. Like just paint over everything. <laughs> Sometimes just to that's so not, good. That's to let the, good. so the person doesn't think they know me. <laughs> you know, like you know, that's I, really good. That's really good. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's so it's such a I'm at war with myself. Yeah, yeah. It's like um like the conundrum or the dilemma that we have to deal with us as painters. Yeah, like for example, um, Mark Rothko, famous for not letting anybody know anything about how he painted. Like, does the paint have oil or does it have eggs? Or like, we really don't know because the the studio was a sacred box for him that he had. Also, he kept it dark, like really dark. And he was in the Bowery, so like he would just. Well, he moved uptown too. When yeah. he, when he lived uptown, apparently you could see through his window and see the tops of his paintings and stuff. So he. He knew that, you know, yeah. it was kind of like a romantic aperture into like this yeah. person's life. It but also I didn't know about the Bowery studio. I I have to reread. Yeah, yeah. There's this really dark book. I think a biography. I, I read it a long time ago. I have to reread it. There's a new um, Arnie Glimcher Rothko book recently. Friend of the show, Arnie. We know you're listening. Hmm. He has a new or newish Rothko book. But I'm really um, curious about that. Like, and we were talking when I got here about the painter Ad, Ad Reinhardt mm -hmm. and how he was open about his materials, about with everybody. He just told exactly what he did. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Do you see? Are you like that? Do you tell people? Or you? Keep I don't it? do anything special. No, but do you? Do you tell? Like, if someone asks you. Oh, what varnish did you use? What kind of oil did you dilute it with? Are you oh, yeah. open about it? You're I, like, I, don't I worry about it. I would turn it into a conversation. I would be like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing that right. Like, what do you do? <laughs> like, but I don't see any reason to obstructicate yeah, 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 yeah. like knowledge like that. Mm. So it's more visual and spiritual, the 
the, the situation with the studio rather than materials. You're not like afraid of, oh, he saw like what paints I use and stuff like that? No. No. Okay. In fact, I even tell people like a subtle way to change your paintings if you're hung up somehow or yeah. you're, you're just tired or you're fatigue, experience that fatigue, which I feel a lot now, which just fatigue yeah. from something I love. When you feel fatigue from love, it's, <laughs> it's very hurt, very hurtful. I'm feeling. getting there. I know what you mean. Yeah, like this is my favorite thing to do when I feel fatigue from this favorite thing. It, it makes me feel like a bitch. <laughs> um, uh, do you? And, but we were about. To, I was about to talk about something about the materials. Like, do you, I, do you mind if if people know? Like, what what kind of oil I mean, paint do you use? Yeah, what, like a what? simple way to change your paintings is just to oh. change the brand of your paint. You know, just sweep away all the old stuff. Like Williamsburg has a, a or you know, don't throw it out, use it up, or give it to a friend. But the Williamsburg to me has a pastel palette, like a lighter, like it's almost like there's a drop of white and everything. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. Titanium white a little bit. Huh? Yeah, I don't I don't know. It just feels that way. Where I mean, I grew up using the Utrecht paints, which Utrecht saved my life in school and stuff <laughs> to get two gallons of gesso for like twenty bucks delivered was like amazing, you know. So you use several all over the oh. country you could get that in the Utrecht paint was cheap and I loved their cadmium red hue. It was like very orangey color and I've never seen that color again, like that fake cadmium red. And I, I don't know how those colors age, but I used that a lot at the beginning. And then at some point I realized, oh, there's not all paint is the same quality, you know. I didn't know that. So like, it was like an empirical knowledge. You just came piece by piece. Like, and then I, yeah, you realize the price, and then you start to feel the weights of of the tubes, and you could you could feel how much metal, therefore how little. Oh my the, god! You know, I, so I started that. to relate the the weights. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the density. Yeah, the density. That's that's how you save money as a paint seller. Is you. You use cheaper fluff it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You <laughs> cut it like a co yeah, yeah. like cocaine. All right. Wait, and let's go back <laughs> to I wanna come back we'll come back to the paint, but let's talk about where were you born? In Japan. In Japan? Yeah. I was my dad was in the military. He did the military to help pay for his college and uh, he was stationed there and I was born there in nineteen seventy six. I think they opened that base like in 1950 or maybe around then there. How know. long did you live there? Uh, not very long, not, very not long. even a year. And then we moved to Los Angeles and that was like three years or four years. And then to Tennessee and Virginia and then back to Tennessee where I spent the bulk of my childhood, like 12 years. What part of Tennessee? I'm East really Tennessee, East like Tennessee. the mountain, the mountain, the foothills of the Appalachians, oh. kind of. It's a, uh, it's Knoxville, basically, Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, have you seen this? There's this TV show on HBO by this guy Luca Guaragnino. I remember his name. The guy who made Call Me by Your Name or something like that. But he made a TV show about a military base in Italy. May I have a sheet of your paper? Yeah. Um. I'm gonna write some stuff down. Grazie. 
Um, so there's right. this TV I show. I just switched to Italy. Okay, so a military base in Italy. There's a TV show about a military base in, in Italy. It's so good. Huh. How do people think of this stuff? And it's all these teenagers having fun in the military base and like getting high and like running around, breaking into houses, like Italian houses and like having parties. It's kind of great. It's called What We Do. I don't remember how it's called, but so yeah. So you, and, you and him, who made it? Luca Guaragnino, Guaragnino, or something like that. He's the guy who made Call Me By Your Name. Okay. So yeah, maybe you can see, because yeah, there's like, the family relationships in the military and growing up with a military dad or mom. So yeah, what? How did that? How did that go with your dad being in the military? Uh, so my parents are both from New York, like right outside the city in Long Island, and and uh, so I was. So they're from here. I was born in Japan. Then we moved to California. Like they took some chances, you know, and moved away from their family and. They were adventurous, not in a hippie sort of way. I don't know what sort of way, but for whatever reason, they were okay and driven enough to go out and, and, and go through the world like that. And so my first memories are of uh, Los Angeles, but, I, but the time I spent in Japan definitely affected me a lot. Like the dollar was so strong. You know, it was a very depressed time in Japan, and we, my parents bought a lot of their furniture there. I mean, very poor themselves, like, had no money, and they bought the furniture there. So I grew up, like, on futons and papasans and all crawling around on the floor, on the floor and all this sure. stuff. Yeah, and, and uh, so, like, my first tactile memories are of that and that sort of loving environment. And then, yeah, I've accumulated... I'm, you talked, you related to me in the beginning before the recording, probably yeah. about how mobile you, how mobile you were yeah. as a person and I'm the same way. So we have that in common. Yeah, not really I never for lived anyone. in Mexico. I never lived in another country like yeah. as an older kid. Yeah, yeah. I, I did um, elementary school, middle school and high school in Mexico. So it was well, like that's a, a lot. That's everything, basically. Yeah. And then I did um, college in Texas. So to me, Texas. So American. We have that also, that connection with the South. Yeah. How do you feel about Ooh, that? It's, it's nasty, right? Right? It's nasty. Yeah. It's and then nasty. you go back. It's you scary. Go back. <laughs> I go back because of that. Yeah. Like, yeah I yeah, like yeah. the pain. And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's terrifying. And I want to change anything I can yeah. down there just by being me around people yeah. and let them know that different people but everyone's kind of it's uh, it's terrifying down there i mean i'm a white old guy yeah. like it's hard for people to exist that even me like being a little bit different and just being like kind of i don't know that religion stuff really messes people yeah. up well i grew up catholic me, you... i grew up catholic too oh, in the south i went to catholic school like I, all guys. I, yeah, mine wasn't all men, but all kid, all males. But the, it was a. I went from my mom got a job there, so like we could go there. Like so, she pulled me out of public school. That's literally what happened to me. Yeah, my mom had to go work for like the the nice school, so I could go to the. Nice That's school. exactly what happened to me, and and. Uh, That's so funny, huh? And so like. But I had to be like an altar boy a lot, like a lot, because my I was always at school, yeah. you know, because my mom worked there, and 
and it messed me up a lot. Like my, yeah. as soon as I was done with it, my mom, I'm the oldest child of four. And oh. they put me in a, they pulled my brothers and sisters out and they're normal. Like they are normal. They laugh and have fun and have friends and have families and travel and all this. And like, cause they have social skills. They're normal. That's yeah. The best like my do. parents knew, but you know, the when first, did you, the when did you, the guinea pig. okay. When, when did you realize that you were different? Because we were, I was talking oh, I mean, to past guests of the show. Do you think, so this is the question. It takes a while, not into my 20s, probably, because I just, really? I was really trying not to be different. Like, I, oh. I it, you know, my, it, I don't think there's many families, maybe it's different now, that it would accept, like, your oldest child, the one you put so much, such high hopes and to say like I'm gonna be an artist I'm gonna not get an advanced degree like they would have preferred I studied art education or um art you know something that I don't know and I did try that my mom wanted me to be a doctor and I almost did it and then I last minute by like works of fate I ended up becoming an artist yeah I knew I was gonna be an artist always since I realized that that was a job. Wait, there's a picture of you online. Like you're a kid and you're painting. Yeah. What is that? What is that? Like, are you like that? What I love about that picture is like how tightly I'm holding that brush in my left hand. And how proud you are, no? Yeah, I was a happy kid. I love it. Um, I'm sure, I mean, I don't think that picture is special. I post, that was posted on my birthday. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Like, um, I just thought it showed something that people could relate to. I love it. And yeah. for so I talk to people about I was so do you happy. think yeah. do you think there's an origin story to you, kind of like a superhero? Like something happened traumatic to you and boom. Kind of like Frida Kahlo had the like traumatic train. I think money affected me a lot. Money. Like when money became a thing, like when college I paid for college myself and it was so expensive. I got a scholarship for college. Yeah, I just navigated that. I saved my whole life for it and Damn. I had to that's why I went to two years out of school in Ohio called Miami of Ohio. I wanted to go to like one of these. What was your major? Art. I wanted to go to one of these schools that was like in the movies, like that has like quads and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I had a friend going there. And I like keg stands. I went to, yeah, stuff exactly. Like, like I thought it was going to be like, not entirely like that, but I just wanted it to be beautiful and have quads. And that school had that and stuff. But yeah. the art program was limp. This regular, like, um, bad art school teachers or what? Everyone was competent in their own person and stuff. We could talk about professors. This isn't materials, but I, I guess people are... I think professors is one of the most competitive types of artists I've ever encountered. Like, it just... I, I have a real hard time. Like, I just want to talk to everybody about art and stuff. But, like, I don't know. Me personally want... I just feel like a lot of weirdness from professors. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Shout out to professors. Shout out, out to all the professors. Like, I'm there. just saying I want to be friends. That's all. I was talking to one of the past um, guests about how I decided to go to school for science because I wasn't ready, I thought, to be learning about like Chris Burton and like John Baldessari and all that when I was so young because I wanted to learn more about like what's going on with my body so i 
kind of like took the Leonardo da Vinci approach of being like more scientific towards art instead of just mental that I thought to, but I don't know if that has something to do with what you are talking about. Everything applies. That's what I love about art. Like if I tripped and fell down the stairs after this, (laughs) that would be part of my art. You know, like, (laughs) like everything, you can put everything in your art. Like you brought me flowers. Like that energy can roll over into something else. And I mean, come on. I want, I want to. Like, why wouldn't you want to be that if that's like the best job in the world? I mean, the only better job I think was if I could be like a writer. Imagine just traveling with a piece of paper and a pencil. Like that is beautiful. (laughs) Like, and that is your art. But like artists is, I love the artist's life and stuff. And yeah. Have you listened to um, the podcast called Drink Champs? Um, I watched it on YouTube. Yeah. So I listened to it. Um, Have you seen Smoke Champs? No. I heard about this. I haven't watched it yet. They get crazy wasted. <laughs> oh my god! How I don't listen to it, but they—I watched it on YouTube. They give them. They give these rappers their flowers, quote unquote, right? Oh, so, yeah. so I wanted to give you your flowers to show you appreciation, because I want to share this story about how I became. Like you said before, sometimes you make art. And it's abroad and it's like taking into a safe and you're never going to see it again. But we do want to see it. Yeah. And I, I, I had this amazing experience with your work. I had taken shrooms that day and I was just walking around NoHo. And I walk into Eva, Eva Preston Hoover. Uh, yeah. Great Jones. What's yes. her name? Eva Preston Hoover. Yeah. And then I walk there and I saw the, the watermelons. Yeah, that show is hot. Oh my God. You really, like, I wanted to, I was like, I can't wait to meet this guy to thank him because that was amazing. It was like so many colors. The palette was so fresh. Yeah. There were so many of them. They were like talking to them, crying. Some of them were like screaming. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I did a post about those. I didn't take them out of the plastic, but I did one watermelon post. I kept a few. there's like a whole history of watermelon painting and stuff, but I would Frida say Kahlo. I was provoked to do that by Moses Tolliver because I love his paintings and I don't know, and they look so simple. And I like, you know, I always have paint around and canvases and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, I could talk about that too to get it back to materials. But, so thank but you. I man. saw that Moses, look up the Moses Tolliver watermelons, and they're so simple. It's just oh, like a circle with a few dots like and I thought like oh I could do let me see how that would work and and it was impossible like I had to like reinvent and that showed on the card if you remember I titled the show understand me and the card showed like a sea turtle like holding a watermelon over its head because it was going to be sea turtles and watermelons but I could not figure out the sea turtles. Not yet. Huh? No. And I had to keep hammering on that. And then the secret was, is that I started working on them flat. Like I built a long table out of just naked two by fours and, and, and use those. You work horizontally? No, no. I always work on an easel. Vertical? 
Straight vertical no, or the notch? On the easel, like on the, I, it's it's usually vertical, you know, directly perpendicular to the ground on the easel. But I like to, yeah, I always have to change the tension and stuff because the weather and stuff yeah, changes, yeah, yeah. and then you hit the bars and you gotta go back there. And uh, and uh, also, yeah, sometimes if it's running or I want it to not run or something, I'll lean it back or forward a little bit. I'll show you. I can't withhold everything. Yeah, but this is what we. This is why I do the show, man. Because I feel I was listening to this clip by Tyler the Creator, right? Yes. And he was talking about how he feels more of his peers, like rappers, should be less cool and more geeky. He was like, if you're too cool, then you get frozen. But if you get geeky, you're like sharing things, and that's what we need to be doing. And I love that about you and your Instagram, for example, like other than geeking out and talking about pain that we could do that all day. But for example, something that I saw that you were so generous about is your magnet fishing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that in there for just to help break up the thing. Yeah. I love that because you're showing us how, and I, if I may, the way that I saw it, like you're talking about the watermelons and who, you were basing them on and the sea turtles and all that. Like, where do ideas come from for you? That's uh, that's the first question. And the second one, do you think, do I think that in a way the magnet fishing is kind of like the same way like ideas, just throw the magnet, see what's gonna come. Yeah, you don't know what's down there. Yeah, in, in ourselves. Yeah. Is that true? Is that how you feel? I just want there to be a little bit of something for everyone and I want to show my podcast is I call it a podcast but it's Instagram it's about <laughs> art it's about art like it's not so like but that's for me to do that I have to go out of my studio and like go to a place yeah. and like become a child again and I, love I mean that. life is about always holding and looking at looking for and rounding that inner child like the inner child is When you look at people who live long lives, they always have an inner child still yeah. there. If once your once your child starts to grow and then die, you, you die with it. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, too cold. Then you get too cold. Like that die. inner child is worth chasing. You yeah. know, like you can be cold and stuff, but it's also kind of a joke yeah. on you. Yeah. Like yeah, everything's yeah. a joke on me. You know, like it's all a joke on me. My, Art is such a luxury to be able to paint. Like I almost sometimes I think create stress in my life just for the release of being able to paint, like to increase the pleasure of that moment. Like like it just to make it more black black and white, I uh, will create a stressful situation. I you asked me where I get ideas and how they form and stuff and I don't know. I, 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 it sounds, I've repeated this several times now and I don't like the way it sounds, but it really is me. Like I have like 15 ideas right now. Like I could paint this picture <laughs> yeah, with a yellow been, sheet of paper. For everybody out there, he's been doodling on a paper. Well, when you said Baldessari, I was like, what is Baldessari? It's also, like a shape with like a face behind it and stuff. Also, you, you are a lefty. Yeah. Like yeah. Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> well, there's lots of people who are left-handed. Yeah, who else? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, but artists. Uh, I just know because um, 
I don't know. That's how they know which Leonardo's are real Leonardo's because they're painted from the, the hatches from the left. Somebody asked me that on Instagram, are you left-handed or right-handed? And I wrote left-handed and they wrote, thank you. So maybe there's somebody <laughs> out there compiling a list. Yeah, yeah. You know, and making like, a book about that. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. But Le- we I know left Kurt Cobain was left-handed. Yeah, yeah. I, I know Leonardo da Vinci was left-handed. Um, I, I, I think, I, I know Picasso was right-handed. Yeah, Warhol was right-handed. I, I mean... Most, yeah, I don't even know what the percentage of left-handedness is. It would be great to be right-handed. Like, I could, I could, um, you know, when you're left-handed, everything gets dirty on the page because everything's designed for right-handed That's people. true. Like, even cars and stuff, like, everything's computers. Like, I, I can't draw on an iPad because it hits the controllers on my hand lies right on the controllers of the Photoshop. It's like that Simpsons like, episode. With hey, Photoshop, can you put a thing on the right side so that I don't get my left hand on your controls? Adobe, we know you're listening. Please <laughs> do this for Josh. Hashtag those guys. <laughs> um, like, do you remember thank that? Thank you for all your hard work, but could you do that too? Yeah, please. I pay you a lot. Do you remember that episode of The Simpsons, like Ned Flanders opens the, the left, oh, left yeah, the left-handed store, the left-torium. Yeah. That was so funny. And he was going to go out of business, and Mr. Burns went in there and bought everything. I think he did eventually go out of Wait, business. Wait, coming back to the origin story, I have many things that have happened when I was a kid that I think were like, oh, well, that's what happened and what made me artistic, but one of them... We were like in fourth or third grade, I remember, and we're messing with the ice cream man. We were jumping on the back of the ice cream truck. That's so mean. Yeah, I know. We were like like jumping on the ice cream truck on the back, on the little bumper. Oh, yeah. And then he caught on to it, and he saw us coming, and then I jumped, and I mean, like three of my friends were like jumping on it, and he took off, and I stayed on it, and jumped, and broke my right arm, like, like oh, really yeah. bad. So for like months, I had to have a cast in my right hand so I couldn't do eat, anything. Couldn't eat ice cream anymore. <laughs> I couldn't eat ice cream, but I couldn't. So I had to start writing at school with my left. And I realized this would have been, to be left-handed is a real hustle. Like you have to do a lot of different things. Yeah, you than, have to hold your, you have to think differently. Yeah, like, the um, bathroom, like everything just works yeah. if you're right. Like yeah. the doors, you're like, what? Like it's not that right. Not I mean, that you get much. Used <laughs> to it. Like I, a lot of what you just mentioned, I have. But the the cars, yeah, it is a little weird. But you become your body adapts. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I started weird, being like, better at writing with my left. Like after a, a few, Dieter Roth to... taught himself to use both hands. Who? Dieter Roth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He taught himself how to draw simultaneously or write. Like yeah, I think there's been several. So, um, and when I came back with my right hand, I had the feeling that because of that accident, I could draw better with my right hand. Uh, that was my theory. Well, yeah, still I always is. think I can draw with my right hand. But when did you start drawing, or when did you remember your first drawings when you were a kid? I don't know. I just that was my toys was block like squares of wood, you know that that were probably fake blocks, you know that like somebody made and and paper and and crayons and stuff like and 
my mom wasn't careful about the house, you know, like I was able to put paper up anywhere and draw. And in school, I do remember being like the kid who could just get stuff done. Like, you know, you need this put. And I made all my mom's school stuff, all her bulletin boards. And Damn. All so that. you were so always, I, I, always... And I know how to use the copy machines and all this equipment. And I'm familiar with uh, paper stuff. And I, I, uh, and that's, that's ultimately how I was able to study art in college is I, you know, I was studied printmaking, which is you could get a job as that. It's a real thing. Like you could be a printmaker and that could be your job. So I think my parents under, that appeased them enough that like, okay, like that's, I mean, and then through that, I, when I went back to Tennessee to finish school, cause I ran out of money up there and it wasn't worth it. I understood right away that it wasn't the place for me. I went back to uh, Tennessee and I had a, there was a professor there named Michael Brocky, B-R-A-K-K-E, who was A++++, like special, and and taught me that art was more than just pictures, really, you know, the depth of it, and set me off on reading in different direction and learning. And What would you tell anybody that is over there at UT in Knoxville? and are, they're trying to be an artist, what would you tell them or what would you have want to tell yourself back then? What would I want to tell myself? Yeah, like if you went back in time and you were like... I wouldn't tell myself anything. Nothing? No. That's good, yeah. I just want it. The know. butterfly effect. See, <laughs> <laughs> so you're great. Yeah, anybody right there, I would just say, like, think outside the box. Like, there's more than just... There's more out there than you know. Just you take chances. It's one life. That's good. How did you get from Knoxville with no money to New York? Well, I had $2,000 and I had like friends. And I had actually participated in shows in New York before I went to, um, moved here. Because they had such a good visiting artist program. They brought down a lot of kind of big shit important at the time, contemporary artists, and introduced me to them. And they all started loving my work. Like, they would have these visiting artists come and put up a list in the hall, and you could sign up for a studio visit, and no one would sign up, and I just started signing up, right, you know? And then everybody started signing up when they realized, like, wow, look what Josh has done. And then they wouldn't let me do it anymore, because they're like, this guy always gets to do it, and you can't. <laughs> but then the people would still come and want to see just me. This was in Knoxville? Yeah, so, like, so you had a reputation in Knoxville as a good artist before yeah. you... Well, I mean, just in my school, like at school, I was working towards moving to New York. Like, I wasn't... You always knew. I mean, I was, I'm saying, I'm, try, I'm completely respectful of the situation of school. I am completely respectful of what's going on there. Yeah. But personally, I, I was focused on getting out of there and... And moving to New York, like once you've learned up, you know, and your learning limit is at its fullest, then you gotta move. Like you can't do, you gotta move. Like when you when you're learned up, yeah, you, you gotta roll. Did you always knew that you were gonna live in New York when you were a kid? Yeah, I always knew too. And I would tell people, and they would laugh. What would that? Did you ever share that with anybody? I had pictures kid? in my locker. I remember of New York that I took out of this like very inspiring National Geographic article about New York. 
and I, I decorated my locker with that. And I was pretty, once I went to New York City and realized you could be an artist yeah, since fifth grade or sixth grade, probably. So, oh, that's early. I mean, I did, and I knew I was going to. I'm certain. Uh, it sounds so stupid, but uh, because my family was from here, you know, we were here. Oh, yeah, all you were, the time. it was like homecoming. Kind so of. I would come to the city yeah, as yeah. a kid. So, like, I mean, I remember the 80s and all that of New York, and, and uh, even though as I was a, a child, yes, as a child, like, and all the cars burned out everywhere and all this. And I, I, um, I love, I mean, I, I wanted to try to live here. I, I didn't. I mean, when I moved here, I went to like, applied for a job to like Kim's video. And, you know, I didn't, I was fortunate and became an assistant, an artist assistant. And uh, that was your first job in the art world? Yeah, I had done some art handling, freelance art handling. And then I became the assistant for Christopher Wolf through oh. friends, through friends, found out a friend. In the 90s? This was in the, so when, when did you first 90s, move here? 98. 98? Yeah. What a year. Why so? I mean, I was like, what, 12 or something like that. But I feel like all the movies came out that year. Like that the music is. industry was huge. Huh. Like I feel yeah, it was I a great was year for culture before 9-11. So it was like, I don't know. And then you move here in the huh. pure... Well, I wonder what else happened in 1998. I'll have to look that yeah, up. Yeah, we need to look it up. But did you ever... I I moved here in 2011, right? Yes. And I felt that when I moved here, I could feel it. And I've talked to some people about it. But that because of the 80s, when I showed up, it was kind of like a more sanitized version of New York. Not only like aesthetically, but also the people that a bunch of them that were supposed to be the people who showed me the ropes were dead mm -hmm. because of drugs and the AIDS epidemic. Did you feel that at all? Or you? I, it was just, I think I was came to New York right as that was starting to be recovered from and covered. You know, like I think people wanted to forget that as quickly as possible, which is unfortunate and probably necessary because of how devastating it is to yeah. like we're sitting here one day and you're dead like in two weeks right we're having fun so it's kind of like what just for who knows what and yeah like they, the... no one knew what was going on i mean eventually yeah people started to think about that but by then it was too late did you feel that you missed on some like elderly guides when you showed up or you had really good people showing you no i didn't have any problems like yeah i mean i through art handling you know you make your little friends yeah. and you hang out and you, you hang out and then you meet other people and then you might find like one person and then you hang out with that person and then you meet some other people eventually you like build like a little hand of cards that include yeah. you know and then so Hopefully That's, you get along and then you want to build like non-competitive relationships that are positive. Yeah. And, and yeah, I wanted to talk about that because I feel I realized that more and more that instead of some people make you think like, oh, the art world is kind of like a pie, a pie world. It's like if you take a little bit, people are going to look at you and be like, hey, don't take a little piece because I'm getting less. But the more I'm in it, I realize that it's kind of like a candle. Like I, if I don't have the, I have a, everybody has their own candle. And then if someone has, has theirs lit, like they're just, they're just lighting your own candle. And we can light each other's candles when our candle goes off. Uh -huh. 
that I that's how I do. Well, my first I started working for a, a gallery first. That's I went from uh, being a philosophy grad student here at NYU to being working in a gallery and then being an uh, artist assistant. And yeah, like you said, many, many relationships later, that's how it works. But yeah, that's, is that why you're saying that, that people should do? Or what would, you, what would you say to anybody out there, like an artist with no connections who just showed up in New York? What would you tell them to do? I would say just try to get a job at a place you like, then try to, I would try to get art handling jobs. I would, and you got to come with some skills, like learn, take every chance you can to learn, like, and be very observant when you're, any job you get, be very observant. Like, don't check your phone too much because, like, see how, you got to learn how people level something and patch the wall and stuff. Too many people don't really know how to do that stuff well. It's really important, you know, I'm harping on that, obviously, because I'm realizing that it's hard to find people to do stuff more and more. Like, a lot of people don't really even know how to use a screw gun or something. <laughs> but, like, seriously. And and, the, and and it's just weird. But Or, like, paint a wall, even. Or mix. Someone just paint without mixing paint. Like, it's weird. Um, the, I would say, if you're a young kid... You want to come here, you know, just got to hustle. And people are really important. And if something's not going right after a certain amount of time, you've got to change something or modulate your desires. You know, something's got to be changed. Like, don't keep knocking on a door that no one's answering. Yeah. It's just... How did, you, how did you deal with rejection in the beginning? Or were you ever rejected? Or were you always lucky that everybody was like, I get exactly what you're saying? My work grows from rejection. Like, you know, I, it's like, if I made a painting of these flowers and you came in and said, I don't like that painting, I'd be like, what are you talking about? It's just flowers. Yeah. But if I made a painting of my name that said Josh Smith and you came in and said, I don't like that painting, it makes total sense. <laughs> you know, so... I know what you and mean. And that frustrates people. Like, the logic is is compl strangely complex because it's simple and it frustrates people. So, like, my work is rejection. is like dry, dry wood for me. Like a mirror. It just makes me have something to react to. Like, it's just another ingredient you can throw in. I, I like rejection. Reject me. I ask you to reject me. I love that also about your uh, Instagram, that you welcome people to reject you and unfollow you. No, I try not to say that. Not welcome, but... I just say, like, don't suffer at yeah. all. Like, do not suffer, like... You know, and I would only say that because I know I'm putting on something that's not that good, but it's part of a, when I, it's a narrative. My, my Instagram is like a narrative from the beginning. Like when I watch it, like I watch them like in order and stuff. I mean, I should probably make it just for me, you know, because no, I think I like it more than other people. <laughs> I think you're really inspiring people. I mean, you're, you're inspiring me too with your paintings and your Instagram. And like I was telling you um, earlier that I started this for many reasons, but one of them is because I have a two-year-old son 
And if something ever happens to me, like I want, I want him to know that I think that being creative should be rewarded in society. So meeting people like you inspires me and inspire everybody that is listening right now to be like, if Josh is doing it, I can do it. And I feel I want to thank you for that, for being so generous with your time and for being so generous with your work and with yourself, just showing up on Instagram. That's huge. I really, I want to thank, thank you. you for that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I wish like, yeah, I don't wish anything. It's really fun. <laughs> I wish that it didn't feel, I, sometimes I feel like I'm burdening people a little bit. Like, no, because I do make like a lot of videos. But that's know, like good. It's like your channel. A hundred times is what I show. They can you just know? change the channel. That's the thing. If you don't like yeah. it, change the channel. But there's people out there. No, life's about walking lines. This relates to art too. Like, you gotta just be aware of what you're doing. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta walk a line. You can't, you get, if I get too into something, I'll quit it. Is that I, from Johnny Cash? I know myself. But yeah, I did think of that. But like, <laughs> he walked the line, right? Yeah. You I gotta, love it. You got to walk the line. Wait, I, wanna, I wanted to ask you this, and we can cut it if you want. But when you're painting, do you paint with assistance or just by yourself? Just me. I don't... All right. I, yeah. I uh, when you're me. painting, how is the, like the, the chemical intake looking like? Like, do you, are you a caffeine guy? Uh, I don't really... Yeah. Um, nicotine, but not coffee. No coffee? No, it makes me have anxiety about things that I have enough anxiety as it is. I'll drink a decaf for sure. I love de I love coffee. I'll drink decaf. I worked in too much coffee shops. I think like my coffee <laughs> caffeine receptor is an issue there. Seriously. Yeah. yeah like it, just a little sip like sets me. It's weird. That was my favorite when I was it's like poisoned. When I wasn't drinking caffeine, I had an easier time waking up. So, and when I would have caffeine, it would send me spiraling up. But now that I mean that my tolerance has increased. Do you smoke cigarettes? No. Or no. vape? No, I use those like I don't use tobacco. Like I use these like things, these little packets, like that. that uh, Oh, the losange, losange. things, and like now I was on eight, then four, then there's two losanges and zero. So you just put them in your mouth. Oh, just, oh little strips. Yeah, and it fits nicotine in you. But like, yeah, obviously don't use nicotine because <laughs> then you have to quit it. No, we're not advocating. I, I was a huge nicotine user since I was like 12 until I was like 30 two or something like that. I'm 37 now, so I've probably been like five years without it. And it was the hardest thing for me to leave. I've, I've left everything else so fast, but nicotine was the hardest to me. So I'm, I'm afraid to get back, but I do love pain, painting with nicotine. <laughs> it makes you like so... It's not good to yeah? smoke when you um, work. It's not good to... It's not good to have all those chemicals and stuff on your hands, like in your mouth and stuff, and on my face. Like you don't use gloves. I just it's, it's nice if I put a pair of gloves on, but ninety percent of the time I just forget, or yeah. it's too late by the time I start. 
Yeah, like I usually start working around like seven, six or seven PM five at night. Yeah, but that's about when my head starts to get together, which is unfortunately right at dinner time, right at the time that your friend has an opening and stuff. It's the worst timing, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. And like, I work with it. But what I'm trying to learn now is like, don't work every day. Like work a few days or a few hours or don't work every day. Like yeah. there's not a lot to gain, but, but that's me. Yeah. If you're somebody else, you should fucking work every day. Yeah. I just don't want to. And to f- to fight all the burnout, like I'm burned out, I would say. Like I I love making all these sculpture things right now. What sculptures? Yeah, we just met. I didn't show you yeah. anything downstairs. I'm making stuff. Did you go in the office? No. Oh my god. No, I just came up here. This is the from from outside. Is this is this your building or what? Yeah. Did you buy it or? Yeah. 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 That's amazing, man. We're in, uh, can we say what neighborhood? Yeah. We're in Bushwick, right? It's like East Williamsburg. East Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, I saved up a lot. I didn't just like, buy it, like I earned it. No, you did, man. Congratulations, this is an amazing space. Man. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't live here? Yeah, I do. You live here? Mm-hmm. And you're married? Yeah. It's not like a perfect situation living here should get a real house but I, I like living close to my work when I I lived in Chinatown now I live in uh, in Brooklyn Park Slope but before I lived in Chinatown and I work I had my apartment and my my studio was in the basement it was so amazing because I would just roll out of bed and then got downstairs to paint and then come upstairs to have lunch and stuff like that like so I feel like that's ideal I think it's amazing I know a lot of painters that do it's, it's good Sometimes, other times it's too much. I would like to have it separate again. And you're... I, I like having a lot of privacy when I work. I also, like, I like my wife. I, I want to be around her, and it's it sucks that, you know, she should be somewhere else. It's, it's not right to, like, whatever. It's good to switch it up. Like church and state, kind of thing? <laughs> the separation know. of church and state? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What else can I talk about that would be useful for the future? Like, like, I'm mostly an oil painter. I'm trying to learn how to use acrylics. Every fall and winter, I naturally gravitate towards acrylic because the fumes start to come like as you lose. You have to close the windows and stuff. Yeah. And so, like, I want to... It's just very difficult for me to make a good painting out of acrylic that looks finished if I have an acrylic painting and I touch it with oil it's like the oil you just have to overpaint the whole thing so I'm working on that do you use uh, what kind of thinner do you use for your paint for the oil yeah um now I've been using the gambling solvent it's called gamsol gamsol and it's odorless and it seems really good and I've been using the galkid and liquid I use them both I cut them, I cut them down as I use them with, with uh, turpentine. Real turpentine use? Yeah, yeah. So it is for, fumey. For some stuff, yeah, to yeah. make the stuff. But you want that finish of the For solvents and dry? stuff. Like I, I went to um... I don't, I don't think about the finish. I think that oh, really? the more, I mean, you control the finish with the linseed oil. 
that's how I controlled the finish. I mean, I do think about it, obviously. The more oil, the, not the shinier and yeah. the more leathery it becomes, the less the drier it looks. But I don't think about anything like that too deeply. I'm kind of, I try to take care of my brushes a little bit, but not enough. Probably like 50, probably under 50% I do, which is improvement from zero. And I move around, you know, like I have a van and I like load it up with my paintings and stuff and I hit the road and... What does that mean? Where do you go? Well, I'll go, usually I go to Tennessee, but I'm open to going anywhere and I just travel with the whole jar of brushes, you know? I don't really stop painting long enough to really clean them that often, but sometimes I clean them like as a treat for them. Oh, really? You don't really like uh, soap and... No, I do. I did a podcast on brush cleaning. Oh, the, the one that I haven't listened to, the one that's on YouTube? Is that a brush clean? No, it's on Instagram. Oh, I'm, oh, uh, I'm uh, sorry. I call them podcasts. <laughs> They're Instagrams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you, you, uh, you watch them yourself. Or you have yeah, someone who comes I think I watch them more than anybody else in the world. Like, I'll watch them over and over again. I think they're hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's... What like, kind of brush do you use? What's your go-to? Oh, I just... The hair. What is... Is this synthetic or... Animal? I, I do have a few fancy brushes. I would say most of the brushes are animal. What kind of animal? A hog? Yeah. Cheap, or sable? Cheap. I have a few sable brushes, like two that I wouldn't even use because I don't want to ruin them. <laughs> but it's mostly like cheaper brushes, like rough brushes, which is unfortunate because I know what a good brush feels like. I'm just like cheap like that because I don't feel like I've earned it or whatever, but I'm full of shit. No, it's your southerner, man. I know what you mean. Yeah. Right? I, I just don't take good care of stuff like that. What was the question that you asked? You know what I mean? I think it was about the materials, but I feel that the South has a scrappiness with regards to art. And in a way, to me, that's past, that, that has turned like Robert Rauschenberg from Texas, you know, like stuff like that, or Jackson Pollock from California and taking a little bit from the South as well that has given a, or paved the way for the new American abstraction that I feel I, I love or I, I see that as part of my work. Do you see yourself, your work, influenced by the American South as a, as a thing? How do you, or do you make a connection between the both, the abstraction? Well, I, like influences come from everywhere. Like for sure, there's some, the Southern stuff doesn't stay away. Like it just comes. <clears throat> I don't think about it. But yeah, everything comes out. Everything you've been exposed to seeps out. And I'm certain that that does. I think Southern artists, contemporary artists who have a connection with down there, spent time down there, grew up down there, all relate to it differently. A lot of people try to hide from it, whatever. It doesn't matter. They all come out. It just, yeah, it does come out. Soul is a weird thing, like your soul seeps out yeah and like a southern one's different than a northern one or a western one <laughs> america is a big shithole and we all come from a different part of it and 
you have a studio over there, right? Are you planning yeah, on the studio in Tennessee? Are you planning on moving there eventually, or <laughs> you just want to have always the mobility? Like no, we were talking? I would like to move nowhere. <laughs> you know, like I just am tired of being anywhere. <laughs> I just want to move, like keep moving. Yeah, keep moving. That's the that's your that's your um, your message. No, <laughs> keep moving. I guess. My message is, yeah, I keep, yeah, I like the golden rule and I like um, that you should, you know, surprise yourself and, and uh, yeah, keep pushing and it's like, don't give people what they want, like give them what they need. It's, you don't know what they need, so you just got to make shit and figure that out. So yeah, the golden rule and don't give people what they want, those two things. That's an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah you're, you're, um... I'm 37, 47, so 10 years from now, I'll be your age, and it makes me feel hopeful that I have had that uh, attitude towards life, like, always do what you want, what your soul gives you, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Your interest, your instinct. <laughs> that makes a lot of logical sense. I'm thinking of it just like you are. Let your soul... It's tougher to do than to say or think. It takes everyday practice to be that person. You have to work on it. You don't just decide it. It takes work, maintenance. You gotta like meditate and take time out of the day and take some deep breaths and appreciate stuff. That I'm gonna try to do that. I would encourage, I would add that probably just as much as the other things. Like, it's just, don't get worked up about stuff, you know? <clears throat> I'm going to work on that, so. Yeah. So one last question. Yeah. What matters to Josh Smith? What matters to me? Uh, I care about the world and I care about people and I, I, I care about my art, my family. People, the world, my art and family. It's good. It's amazing. Yeah. Thanks I, for doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for doing it too. Right? Yeah. So I can't wait to see what you have next. You said Paris. Paris and Paris. Fall at David's Warner in Paris. I forget the precise date, but it'll be September Amazing. 5th or something. Can't wait. Everybody's going to check it out. Yeah. I'll um, post more as it comes closer. Yeah. Keep, keep doing it. Post more podcasts. <laughs> more podcasts. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, Holy.